Good evening. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I'm not frozen in. Um, down in Ordingland, where it's nice and cold, probably cold up here as well. Um, today's sermon is, I don't know if there's a, there's a topic up here, but what they asked me to speak on is choosing a life, a life partner. I feel like this is a pretty big responsibility, um, and it is. It's, it's, it's the most important, one of the most important things you'll ever do. So I want to kind of talk about it and speak, not like a sermon, but more of just as a talk, as talking friend to friend, and something I'd sit down and talk to and tell my brother or tell my sister. Now, I, I'm not going to say I'm nervous, but a little bit maybe. So what I recommend people do when they're nervous, which I didn't do today, is if you're nervous and you're going up on stage and you have lots of extra adrenaline, like your hands will shake a little bit and your feet will shake a little bit, and that's just extra adrenaline pumping through your body, right? So what I tell people is if you're going to be going on stage, especially if you've never done this before, go to the bathroom, do some jumping jacks, get some energy out of you, carry some chairs, put some chairs up. Um, once you get all that extra energy out of there, when the adrenaline does come, you know, your muscles are already tired, they'll just fill up and you won't have, you won't have the shake. So the topic today is choosing a lifetime partner. If you have any questions, um, feel free to ask. I don't know if Victor will put up a number, my number up there, or little notes. If not, that works too. So all of us who want to get married want to be married happily. And that is a good thing. And there comes a time, as the Bible says in Genesis 2.18, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper. It is not good. There are things that are good and there are things that are not good. And there is a time, there is a time when something is good and then it becomes not so good. For example, there is a time where I have a little daughter, she's one. It is not good for her to go to school right now. But there will be a, come a time where if she doesn't go to school and she doesn't start learning and she doesn't start educating herself, it will be not good because she needs to progress, she needs to learn things, she needs to get to a point in her life where she can make, um, she can make choices and you know, have that education for her. Um, it is not good at a certain point to stay home and to not go to work, not to contribute to your family, to your parents' family. It is not good to do that. It is not good to walk when you can drive somewhere, right? You know, I live, what, 20 miles away from here? It would not be good if I was walking here. That's why I drive. Back, you know, 100 years ago, maybe that would have been good. Some of you might say, well, brother, I see you're getting a little bit of stomach. Maybe it's good for you. I don't know. But there's a better way. It's, it's not good. And the, the, Bible comes to, the Bible starts off saying that for an individual, there comes a point where it is not good to be alone. And choosing a lifetime partner. When you come to the point where you understand that it is not good for you to be alone, you need to choose somebody who you can marry. It is time to start looking for someone who can keep you company. That, that was my introduction. My second point is, why are we talking about this? Well, two reasons. 
two reasons. I, you know, some, some I have heard at the Kraj Mucha. I'm not sure how to say that in English. Mukraj Mucha, like, why are they talking about relationships? Like, do they have not nothing else to talk about? Can't they talk about, you know, Jesus and can't they talk about the cross? And those are all good things. So I'm going to explain two reasons why we're talking about this. Um, the first reason is everybody's got needs. You are, as an individual, are composed of three parts. This is really basic. Body, soul, and spirit, right? Each one of those has a need. Your body has a need. You need to feed it. Not too much. You need to exercise it so you're healthy, so you don't get sick. Your spirit has a need, and that need is the connection with God. That is a need that only God can fill. And there is your soul, your soul right? That is an emotional need. That is a need that a spouse, a companion, a friend can, can fulfill that need. Um, although a spouse, although the marriage is primarily to, to satisfy our emotional need, that need for deep connection with somebody, although I would even argue that a spouse helps fulfill all three of those needs. That is the first reason why we're talking about this. The second reason why we're talking about this is that um, any subject that you take on and, and you, and you, and you um, want to learn about, you have to learn about it. It doesn't just come intuitively. It's not like you wake up one day and you're like, wow, I know everything. Um, doesn't happen like that. Does not happen like that. Um, imagine you were to be chosen to work at like Apple or Google or Samsung or some other big high tech company and you're in management, right? Do you think they'll take you off the street, just some random guy walking on the street, they say, bro, you know, Tim Cook's retiring out at Apple, can you be our CEO? Probably not happening, right? Just, just it's not happening. They're looking for somebody who's been educated. They're looking for somebody who's went to school, has a business degree, maybe has some relevant experience, somebody who's been trained, somebody who's up for the job, and then they take this individual and they say, you have proven yourself in certain things, and you can lead this company. Um, marriage is just the same way. Um, before you get married, you need to make a plan, you need to figure out, you need to get an education of what you're looking for, what you're not looking for, who you're looking for, and who you are yourself. If you don't do that, you're just going to walk into something, and it might be good, it might be bad. I think sometimes people, the way people take marriage or finding a husband and finding a wife is they take things by, by luck or they, they, they expect to be just walk into it um, and letting romance be your guide. Well, I feel good, you know, I feel good, I feel lovey-dovey. This is the person I need to marry. Um, you are going to get yourself in a bunch of trouble if, if you do that. You will get yourself in a bunch of trouble. It's just like people, you know, who don't educate themselves about, say, finances, and at the end of the month they... Uh, they don't have enough dollars or, or, or whatnot. You have to educate yourself to figure out where, thing, where your money's going. You have to educate yourself about who you're looking for and why you're looking for them. Following your, your, your gut and just kind of hoping for the best is not a good way to do it at all in any way, shape, or form. And it doesn't make it weird and it doesn't make you a robot if you have a plan and if you figure out what do you want from a spouse, what do you want from your marriage, what do you want your marriage to look like? 
Um, I, I know that's not the, the classic idea or what, what they show in the movies. It's kind of like you're walking, they're walking, you bump into each other, you look at them, they have this, you know, the thing in their eyes, a little sparkle, and you hit it off, and bam, you're married and happily ever after. Usually it doesn't happen like that, and that's no way, not the way it's going to work. My next point is why marriage and why the importance of good decision-making. I figured everybody's here you know, Christian or Christian has Christian parents, and you figured some marriage is the way to go. But I just kind of want to go over this just a little bit so we, we can understand and we can explain it to others and we can kind of see when, when people outside of church are talking to us, and to them this isn't common sense and this isn't, like, obvious. We can kind of understand where they're coming from or, and how we can talk to them. Um, the reason you choose a partner and you choose a partner into marriage and not to, co to uh, cohabitation or just living together, which many people do, is, first of all, one is because the Bible speaks about it. And the Bible speaks against it. The Bible says either you're single or you're married. Anything in between, you're in sin. The question I, I, I had and I, and I figured is, what does a marriage have that people who cohabitate does not have? I'm waiting for answers. What does a marriage have that people who cohabitate, that live together but are not married, who sleep together, don't have? God's well, God's blessing is one. That's, that's a good one. But what else? Marriage license. Uh, yeah, I guess that too. I didn't know if Adam and Eve have, had any marriage license. Anything else? Well, that's good. But what does a marriage license give you? What, what do they have other than a marriage license? Huh? A covenant. 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 There you go. Tanya, Tanya got it right. They have a covenant. So if you're married, you have a covenant, a promise. You're saying, I am going to stick with this person, whatever happens. You know the marriage, the ceremony. You know, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're uh, sick or healthy, I don't remember what, you know, you're supposed to say. When I got married, I actually was, uh, my wife, she, she happened to sit down and write down a vows, and they were really nice. I figured, you know, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to just say whatever I feel. So I got up there and I started saying, and then just nothing came to mind. And I said, you know what, we're going to stick together like peanut butter and jelly. You know, and I've remembered that. And, and when times get tough and when times get good, I say, you know what, one of us is going to be peanut butter, the other one's going to be jelly. Who's going to be sticky today? Both of us. Let's stick together. And, and there you go. So you have a covenant. And covenants are important. And the, what a covenant gives you what cohabitation doesn't is it gives you two things. It gives you certain rights and it gives you certain responsibilities. And those are important. And the reason rights are important is for two reasons. One reason, but kind of broken up into two parts, is when you have rights, it gives you protection. And I don't mean just protection from the state. You know, if something happens, you get custody of the kids or you get half the half of the money or half the house or whatever. I'm not talking about those type of rights. What it does is it gives you um, a right of protection that the other person will not leave you when things get tough. And that is a protection. You say, you know, I, pro I promise to stick with you whatever the circumstances. And they likewise say, I'm going to stick with you when things get tough. And so that protects you. Um, not too long ago, not too long ago, we were in the hospital. 
my wife, she's been sick. She spent a week, she spent a week in the hospital. And it was a rough week. It was a rough couple months. But what you have in, in those situations is you know that, you know, when you, when you cohabitate, things are going great for the both of us. We're having fun. Things are going great. You know, we're here. Things get rough. I'm out of here. When you have a covenant, when you have a marriage, things get tough. Well, I'm sticking it out with you. Why am I sticking it out with you? No, not because it's easy. Not because it's fun. Not because there aren't tears involved. But I'm sticking out because I promised to stick it out. And that gives you protection and it gives the other person protection. You know they're going to be there for you. The second thing that that protection gives you, the covenant gives you, part of your rights, is it gives you the ability to be honest. Gives you the ability to be honest about the struggles that you have, about your bad sides. And I'll tell you why it gives you the ability to be, to be honest. It's because when you're cohabitating with somebody, when you're not married, when you don't have that covenant, you, when you don't know that they're going to stick with you through the thick and the thin, you, you try to show your good side. You don't expose, you know, the things that are wrong with you. You don't expose the problems you have, the struggles that you have. But when you know the other person is going to stick with you no matter what, you say, you know, this is the problem I have. This is the issues I have. I know I'm being honest. I know I'm being vulnerable. I know you may not like what I'm saying. I may not like what I'm saying. I might not like what I did or what I thought or, or what I said. But this is who I am, and I bring myself the way I am. And since you're sticking with me, the only other option we have is to figure it out, to get through it, and to keep going. And what that gives you, what that gives you, it leads to openness. And when you have openness, it gives you intimacy. And when you have intimacy, it helps fulfill that emotional need you have. It helps fill your soul. That need you had, soul. Remember, spirit, God fills. Um, body, food, shelter, clothing, uh, soul, emotional needs. Having that deep, deep intimacy. It comes from being married. The other thing that a covenant gives you, other than rights, is it gives you certain responsibilities. And one of the responsibilities, what happens in, co in cohabitation, is there is a lack of certain responsibilities. We live together. You take care of certain things. I take care of other things. Um, but we don't have certain responsibilities. If I want to go do something, I do it. If you want to go do something, you go do it. Um, we don't have to coordinate everything. What that does is it leads to patterns of behavior that people get used to. People live together. You got a guy, you got a girl. They live together. They're used to living a certain way. You know, they're saying, well, let's just try it out. We'll live together for a little bit, see how we like each other, see if this thing's working out, get to know each other, blah, 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 right? Um, have fun while we're at it. They get into certain patterns of behavior. Once they're in those certain patterns of behavior, they get married later on. When you get married, those patterns of behavior do not change. You are still stuck in those patterns of behaviors as if you were cohabitating and not married. You didn't set it straight when you started. And so, so what that does, um, one statistic I read, read said that uh, those people who cohabitate before they get married have a 50% higher divorce rate. Um, some, some, people, some places say it's different percentages. But everywhere you read, people that cohabitate have higher divorce rates than people who don't get 
um, who get married straight out and, and don't live together. That's a, so we, I went through the introduction, went through why are we talking about this, um, why marriage and the importance of why marriage. That's why, because it leads to more success and that's what God wants for you. And why the importance of good decision making. Well, just a couple fun facts. The importance of good decision making. I sat down and made some calculations. You are going to be living with this person and you are going to be sharing anywhere from 30 to 40,000 meals with this individual. You're going to be eating them with them a lot. Do you remember what you ate last week on Friday morning? Remember what you ate last Thursday morning? You probably don't remember what you ate. But uh, if, uh, that doesn't matter as much as if you eat something with somebody 30 to 40,000 times in your life, that's a lot of spending time together. Are you going to like the person you eat food with? I hope so. You're going to go on about 100 vacations in your lifetime. You go on vacation with somebody once. Man, that was fun. You do it twice. How many times can you go on vacation with the same individual over and over and still enjoy it? I hope you like who you marry. I really do. I really do. Um, you're not thinking about this. I'm not even thinking about this. But the person you marry, they're going to be your friend in retirement. When you retire, who do you want you to be your friend? I hope it's somebody nice. I hope they treat you well. Um, they're also going to be your career therapist. You're going to be telling them everything, everything that's been going on in your life, and they're going to be listening. Hopefully they won't be writing it down. That would be just a little awkward. But they're going to be listening to you. They're going to be your co-parent. You get to have, you're going to be a parent. You're going to have some kids running around, and they get to co-parent with you. Who do you want as your co-parent? Interesting questions. Interesting questions. That is why it is important to make a good decision. Things to know, my next point, things to know and do before making a choice. This is probably the, the most important thing I part, I, I think, I think it's the most important things. I have a, this, and then I have things to look for and avoid, and then things to look for and want, look forward in marriage. Um, the first one is start dating when you're ready to get married. Not before. Please. Save yourself a heartache. Save somebody else a heartache. Please. I'm not going to get on my knees and beg, but please. If you're not ready to get married, do not date. And the reason I say this is dating is fun and all, and it's exciting. And if you're not ready, it just brings so much, so much heartache with it, brings so much baggage with it. Um, you get married, and then you have to, you don't think about this until you, get, until you start getting married. But when you get married, you sit down and you say, okay, here's my story. Here's everybody I liked. Here's everything this. Here's everybody I talked to. Here's everything this. Here's everything that. That is not a pleasant conversation. In the sense of the less things you have to talk about, as far as that goes, the better it is for you. The easier it is for you. Um, save yourself and save somebody else some heartache. When you're ready to get married, start dating. If you're not ready, just cut it out. Things to know and do before making a choice. 
Number two. So the first one is start dating when you're ready to get married. Start working on yourself. That's part of being ready for marriage. I've met a guy. He's kind of a... I don't know what the best way to describe him, but it's very hard conservative, very very demanding, very kind of, this is what I want, like he knows what he wants. And so we were, we were sitting in, in, a, in, I think it was Banya, in a different city and talking, and he says, you know, this is the type of wife I want. I want her to be supposedly a Christian guy, supposedly. Uh, he says, I want my wife to be kind of Christian, but kind of like a Muslim, we're like, why is that? Like, because she wears a burqa and you think that's, you know, cute? Or like, what's, what's up with that? Because you can't see her? I mean, what's, what's going on here? He just said, no, no, you don't understand. Because she's Muslim and she's going to be like obedient and she's going to like do what I tell her to do. I was like, dude, you, there's a reason you're not married and, you know, approaching 30. We got some issues here. Um, you want to start working on yourself. You can't be expecting, you know, somebody else to be perfect and to be an angel and take care of you and to be nice and to be kind and to be holy and be, you know, leading everybody to Jesus. But you yourself are just, uh, you just yourself are just a jerk. Doesn't work that way. Start working on yourself. The interesting, do you want your spouse to have the characteristics that you have? And I'll ask even a harder question than I asked myself, and I had a hard time answering, is would you marry yourself if you were somebody else? Would you marry yourself if you were somebody else? If you were somebody else, if, if you're a guy and you were a girl, and for a girl, if you were a guy, and you had to marry you, knowing everything that you know about you, would you marry you? If you had kids and you had a daughter, would you, and you're a guy, would you have her marry a guy like you? If you're a girl and you, ha- and you, you imagine having a kid and that's, you know, a little boy, would you have this boy, when he grows up, marry a girl like you? If you answered negatively to that question or you said, you know, there's some things to work on, great, you know what you need to work on. Start working on those things. You want a blessing in your life. You want somebody who's going to bless you. You start being a blessing for somebody else in the future. Amen? We need some more blessings out here. Amen? Amen. Okay. Slava Bogo. You guys are sleeping. That's good. Other things. Other things. So start dating when you're ready. Start working on yourself. Part of being ready. Um, three. Pray to God to direct your paths and to give you knowledge on which way you should walk. A couple places for this. We could read Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Um, Psalm 143.8. Proverbs chapter 3. Very popular, very popular um, verses 3. Chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Super important. To pray to God for a good wife, for a good husband, but also to pray for God to, to, to lead your path, to open your eyes so you are able to see what you're doing. One of the beautiful things I think God does is he, he's got this thing going where people fall in love, right? Awesome, awesome thing. 
So I, th- I think God did it on purpose so people would get married. And then you have to keep working on it to, for it to last or it goes away. It's kind of a, like a temporary shot. So giving somebody a shot. They're numb for a little bit, numb for a little bit, and then they unnumb. So open, ask God to, and, and pray so he can keep your eyes open so you know what you're doing. Because once you're in love, it's, it's, it's sometimes ridiculous. Sometimes people are in love. And they fall in love with somebody, and you're like, this person is just not good for you. Like, they're not really a good person. Like, just, but I love him. And then sometimes passes by, and they're like, what were we thinking? Pray for God to keep your eyes open, to direct your paths, and to help you on the things that you're doing. Things to keep in mind while you're looking for somebody. There is no one soulmate that you are destined to marry. That is just yours and nobody else. There isn't. There isn't. You don't have a soulmate. You get to choose. You get to pick. Because guess what would happen? If you have, um, you have two people, right? One person likes the other. And say the guy likes the girl and the girl marries somebody else. If that girl was, was your soulmate... And she's just gone off, she's off the market because she just married somebody else. What does that mean for you? You out of luck? You're going to marry somebody who's not your soulmate. What about them? Now their soulmate is messing something up. And everybody just messed it up for everybody else. So y'all better get it perfect or one person's off and everybody's off. Or, 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 maybe there isn't a soulmate for everybody. I think there is a what we call what we would call is not a soulmate for everybody, but there is a general, general direction or general outline of what God wants and what God wants. Simply, as far as you can read in the Bible, it says, "Do not be unequally yoked. Marry somebody who's a Christian." That's as, as much as God is telling you as far as who to marry. But other than that, other than that, I would make a general outline for myself of what I want to see in an individual whom I want to marry. And some things are deal breakers and some things are not. You're not going to find someone who's perfect because you yourself are not perfect. They're a sinner, you're a sinner. You're going to get together and you're going to work on things and you're going to polish each other. The way I see it is you're going to find a diamond and you're another diamond and you're all going to polish each other until you start looking more and more like Christ. That said, that said, you will not be able to change your spouse after you marry them. Don't marry somebody with the intention of changing them to, to make them perfect for you. It's not going to work. Um, it's ruined a lot of lives. When people get married in their entire life, they're always telling their husband or telling their wife, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this. Like, you know, why don't you can't be like more like your mom? Or why don't you stop being like your mom or like your dad? Don't do that. Like, what you see is what you get. You're not going to, you know, this guy, but, you know, I'll make, I'll make a Christian out of him. Hard luck, hard luck. If you do that, you know, grace, that's the grace of God working in you, through you, and around you. But usually it doesn't happen that way. Well, he's kind of mean, but, you know, he'll be nice once we get married. Uh, no, he won't. He, he, you know, he'll double down on his jerkiness. True story. 
If you see somebody, you got to accept them with, with their pros, with their cons, with their faults. Be sure that those are faults you can live with and that you can work around with. People tend not to change, even when they get married. Surprise, surprise. Don't make life miserable for the two of you. Expecting to marry one person and changing them won't happen. Next point. Next point. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, um, but be careful. Be careful on who you fall in love with. I'm going to say that again. Be careful or choose whom you fall in love with. Most people, most people. Um, I remember myself, you know, being, being young. Grr. And you like one person for a little bit. I don't mean like too seriously. I'm just being open here, and I think it's happened to everybody. Probably won't hear this off of stage, but I'll say it anyways. You like one person for a little bit, for a couple of weeks, maybe a month or two. Then you're like, eh, you, you kind of get you get a little twinkle when you see somebody else for a month or two, and then you kind of in this like you have a um, in Russian to be sklonest towards that person. You guys know what I'm talking about. Anybody? Am I the only one in the flesh? Okay, I guess I'm the only one in the flesh. Sorry, guys. Um, but choose whom you fall in love with. It's, it's really easy. And what oftentimes happens is we walk around, we kind of bump, you know, talk to this person, talk to that person. We look in their eyes. They say something nice to us, something we feel like we have a really nice, good feeling. We're like, you know, love is at the door. It's knocking. We open it up, and there you go. This must be, this must be it. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Make sure the, the, the person that you're falling in love with or you want to fall in love with, the person whom you open your heart to, I guess would be the better way to saying it, is someone who is worthy of that love, someone who you'd want to spend the rest of your life with. And when that knocks afterwards... Open, open your heart, let your emotions go, fall in love, all the good stuff. But don't do it before. Because you can do the whole fall in love thing, and then, you, and then, you know, the person isn't the person who you'd want to spend your life with. You know, 10 years down the road, you look back and you say, what was I thinking? You weren't. You had the emotions, you had the feelings, but you weren't, you, you, you know, you weren't thinking. Please think. Choose who you fall in love with. Hopefully that makes sense. I, I'm not talking foreign, like foreign language here. Okay, thank, thank you, Linda. I'm glad that somebody gets it. An example of this, I was like, this is actually an interesting. So we were driving with one of the bus drivers, and we were driving to California with the youth choir, and he was driving all night. So I, I didn't want to end up in a ditch, so I sat next to him and I talked to him. And he told me a lot of stories. I don't know, maybe, maybe he's told you some stories too. So there was this grandma, and I guess she had a grandson. And this is a story he told me. He, I guess she had a grandson. And I'm going to tell it to the best of my ability as, as best as I can remember it. And he met this girl. He met this girl. And he, I guess he was dating her. And he was like, you know, I want to propose to her. And she was just praying. And she's like, God, you know, may it not be. Open up his eyes so he can see, you know, what he's doing. And just, just, just help this gentleman. 
And he goes and he marries her anyways. So she, you know, she still loves him and she still wants to pray for him. So like, what does she pray for him, right? So she, she changed her prayer and she says, God, I asked you to open his eyes so he can see who he married, who he was going to marry, but you didn't open his eyes. Can you now close his eyes so he doesn't see who he married? And there's a lot of truth in that story. Before you're married, when you're looking for somebody to marry, keep your eyes open, like, like super open. Once you get married, what you need to do, what I need to do, what everybody who is married needs to do, is you need to start closing your eyes on the faults, on the imperfections of the other persons, accept them as they are, and love them as they are. That's be careful who you fall in love with. That's the whole part about keeping your eyes open. Um, another point, things to know or do before making a choice, is know what you want. And when you go on dates, when you go on dates, I don't know if there's a better word for this, but be prepared to interview the person you're dating. You want to know who you're going to be living with. If you're not dating just for fun, if you're dating because you're ready to get married and you want to get married, have questions ready, have ideas ready of who is this person who I'm dating, who I'm potentially going to marry. Um, it doesn't sound very romantic. I know. Um, it doesn't sound very cute. But you're going to be hanging out with this person for a long time. You know, when you, when you turn 16, you might become disabled. You want to know who's going to take good care of you. Uh, you want to know who's going to be cooking. You want to know who's going to be cleaning. You want to know who's going to be your co-parent with you. You want to know. You want to make sure there aren't, isn't anything, little compartment in their life that's going on, something's going on, and, you know, you, you, you married Bob, and his name ain't Bob. He's got children somewhere in California. He's been married three times. Like, you don't want that. And I know you all young, and I'm young, and you know, you're going to say, well, we don't have all that happening. And true, you probably don't. But you want to get to know the person, and I feel like when people date, oftentimes the way they date is like, whoo, we're having fun. And they miss all the important things that actually really matter and get to know who the person really is. So figure out what you want, make a list, and I, I'm not saying you have to sit them down and like, okay, this is an inquisition. We're going we're gonna to do an interview, like, you better do good. Not like that. Like, you know, you do your day, you have fun, and once in a while you throw in some questions and you figure out what their goal for life is, what they want to do, who they are, and so on and so forth. My next point is uh, things to look out for and avoid. Now, these are not in any particular order. I just kind of jotted down what came to my mind. Um, I'm not going to say this is an exhaustive list. It is not. There's more things you could add to it. But things that came to me. Um, please don't marry someone because you feel sorry for them. This is probably more towards the girls. I know the guy can, you know, I feel sorry for some guys too. I get it. That is not a good reason to marry that guy. Guys, don't marry a girl because you feel sorry for her, because something's going on with her. Don't. Because if you marry the person that, because you feel sorry for them, you're going to feel sorry for yourself for the rest of your life, potentially. Don't do it. It ain't worth it. Um, don't marry someone who's sarcastic. 
Like, that just tears the fiber of things apart. I, I just, we have a rule at my house. No sarcasm in any way, shape, or form. That just gets you. And brothers were laughing. We, we'll have an altar call at the end. <laughs> or maybe you know somebody who's sarcastic. Talk to them. Um, prioritize. When you get married and you're looking for someone, please prioritize on the things that matter, not the things that ebb and flow like a tide. And things that ebb and flow is the way you look, your beauty, your paycheck, how much money the person has, their status. I met a guy once, and I was talking to him, and, uh, you know, we were talking about, he was talking about getting married and whatnot, and we were talking about beauty and, and whatnot, and he said, you know, I want a girl that's beautiful and just hot. And I said, you know, what, what, if, uh, what if her character's not that great? He said, brother, you don't understand. The character, yeah, I can live with that. But she's hot. I said, so what do you mean? But she's like, you know what? I marry her. You don't know the character of the girl. She might be lying to you. She might be nice to you, you know, because she wants to marry you. But she might not be that great. You're taking a leap of faith. But if she's good looking, at least you'll have that. It's a brother, brother. We can talk. <laughs> you are lost. Um, think about it this way. In 10 years, 15 years, 20 years down the road. You're going to look different. You might, you might marry, guys, you might end, marry a girl who's, you know, beautiful and skinny and good looking and has got a lot of money and got an inheritance. And 10 years down the road, she's still good looking, but she's not as skinny. She's got wrinkles on her face. She's lost all the money she's had, et cetera, et cetera. If those are your priorities... You may be disappointed. Girls, if you're looking, looking for a guy who's tall and handsome and got a good job and stuff, those are good things to have. I don't have anything against that. But if that's all it is and it's just superficial, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, if not 20, 40 years down the road, he's going to have gray hair, he's going to be walking with a cane, potentially. Key priority on the things that are important, a person's character, not their looks, although that's important, not their paycheck, although that's important, you need, you need a way to support your family, not their status, although that's important, you don't want them to be you know, some, kind of, some, some kind of loser, for lack of a better term, and so on. Um, other things to avoid. Romance by itself is not a good enough reason to get married. What do I mean by this? Um, it's a good start. I believe God has this mechanism in us where we do fall in love and it gets us going. But if that's all you have, it won't take you very far. You have to refuel every so often to keep that going. The way I see it is this, that if you marry someone who is a good person, who's you know, who nice and kind and, and compassionate, over time, you will start liking them. If you are in love with somebody and you marry them, and they're not a nice person, and they're mean, and they're selfish, and they're controlling, over time, you will start disliking them. Pretty, pretty easy to, you know, to understand. Take a look at your friends. Take a look at the people around you. You meet them. You might not have an opinion about them. But over time, say you have a good impression of somebody. Over time, if they're a mean person, you start disliking them and moving away. If they're a nice person... Even if you didn't really like them at the beginning, you start moving towards them. 
marry an individual whom you will, over time, move closer and closer towards because they are nice people. They are people who you want to be around with. Don't marry someone because of fear, because you're scared to be left alone because all your friends are getting married, because you're feeling old, or people are telling you you're old, or people are pressuring you. Not a good reason to get married. Um, don't feel like you owe somebody after you go on a date with them or two or three or even five. I know sometimes you, 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 you feel like if you talk to somebody or you do something, you owe them something. It works with, you know, people at, the, people at the mall, you're walking through and they're always trying to talk to you. And as soon as you start talking to them and they're trying to sell you something, you almost feel like guilty, like you have to buy something from them because you're talking to them and like, I feel bad for this guy, like he's just standing here like wasting his time on me, trying to sell me some candles I don't really need. I'll just buy it anyways. Um... You might work at the mall. Don't do it with your life, though. You might go on a date with somebody and you start seeing things. You're like, alert, 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 red flags. Be nice. Be kind. Be like Joseph in that when he wanted to leave Mary before, before the angel came to him, how did he want to leave? Quietly. He didn't want to make a big fuss about it. Not text all your friends and say this guy's a jerk or that girl, you know, so and so. Do it nicely. But do it and don't feel pressured that you have to stay. Please don't. Because there's a Russian saying, Chim The further away, the further you go, it ain't gonna get better. It's gonna get worse. So don't feel like you owe any 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 anybody anything like that. It's your life for the next 40 years. It's serious stuff. Things to avoid. Are they selfish? If they're selfish and they're all about themselves, stay away from them. Um, their mentality is going to be, what can you do for me? And that'll be your entire life, running around them and seeing what you can do for them. Stay away from them, please. Um, big question I would ask, a very uncomfortable question, is um, about any addictions. Do you have any addictions to anything? Just any eating disorders, drugs, alcohol, um, sex, anything you can think of. Do you have any addictions? Do you have anything that's holding you down? That's something you want to discover, something you want to talk about before you get married, not figure out after you get married. Um, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean if somebody's had something or, or isn't something, um, that it's a deal breaker necessarily. But, but you have to see if somebody is, is, is open about it, one, um, if they're working on it, if they have accountability to, towards that, and if there are steps they're taking for improvement. If there's that, those are things you can work over. If there isn't that, you might want to say, you know what, for now, we'll take a pause and, and come back when things are better. Um, obviously, I guess, stay, stay away from abuse. I hope that's a, that's a common sense one. But... If there's any kind of abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, there's no excuse for that. If that happens, and it happens once, you just put a period right there, and you end it. No excuses, no, I'm going to do better next time. Don't tolerate it. It'll make your life easy. It'll make your children's life, if you have them, when you have them, life easier. Um, 
and you'll be staying away from problems. Stay away from people who are manipulative. So much you could say about this. Just stay away from people who are manipulative. Um, when, when you have people who are manipulative and they get married, not fun, not fun. Don't be that manipulative person either. Um, I guess I'll, that's all I'll say about that for now. Um, try to stay away anybody who gets really angry real quick. Not, not, a, not got a good character trait. Or anybody who's friends who has, you know, keeps bad company. If they have bad friends, if, if the people they're hanging out with are not good people, there's a high chance that they themselves are probably not the people you want to hang out with. All right, next page. So we've gone over. We've gone over. For anybody keeping notes or kind of want to know where we're at, we talked about the introduction, why we're talking about this, why marriage, not cohabitation, and the importance of marriage. Things to know and to do before making a choice. Things to look out for and avoid. Now we're at things to look for and want. The first thing that you want is you want an individual to love God. You want them to follow God. You want them to be people who are not perfect because you're not going to find perfect people. You want them to be people who are seeking after God, who, wants, who want God's input in their life, and who are seeking to become more and more like Jesus. Again, not perfect people, but people who are striving. You want them people who are kind. Kindness is, is one of those things you got to have it. Um, Ephesians 4.32 talks about being kind. When, um, I think his name was Eliezer, he, for, he went from Abraham to, um, to find Isaac a wife. He meets this girl. Her name is Rebecca. What does she do? She takes out water and she, she gives his Campbell something to drink. She was a kind girl. She was nice. Find somebody who is kind. And if you do that, promise you you'll get the gold. Um, ways you can tell if somebody is really kind or not is are they just kind to you or are they kind to other people? Especially people you don't need and people you don't care about. I mean, there, um, there's relationships where you need from something from somebody, like your employer. You know, you need a job from them. Your uh, pastor, your parents, you're trying to make a good impression on, on them. So you're kind to them. But I'm talking about people who, who, you know, you're not getting anything from. Are you kind to them? If that individual is kind to them, they're a kind individual. If they're just kind to you, they're, you know, really good at being two-faced. Stay away. Are they respectful to their parents? Big one, big one. How do you treat family? If this individual is respectful to their parents, if they treat their family well, there's a high chance they will be respectful and they treat, will treat you well. Because after, you know, when you're not married to somebody, it's all new and exciting and, and the buzz and you're on your best behavior. But once you get to know somebody and you spend a lot of time with them, they become really familiar. They become like family. They well, actually become family. You become a family. And if you're not treating your family well, if you go out there and look at somebody and they're nice to you, but they're not treating their sisters well or they're not treating their brothers well or their parents well, I'm going to say that's a high probability that when you marry that person and you become family, they're not going to treat you well. Or they will treat you well if they treat their parents with respect. Are they good at forgiving? 
You need a lot of forgiveness in the family. We're all humans. We all have rough edges. We need to be able to forgive. You want somebody who's a good friend. It's lovey-dovey a lot of the time, but, you know, most of life is you just hanging out together. You need somebody who's a good friend. Do you have common interests? Um, and by common interests, I don't mean like, you know, you like pool and she likes badminton. Not those type of interests. Um, big things. Church. Like, do you go to the same church? Hopefully, you all go to the same church here. Um, do your views on God, are, are they similar? That's important because when you're, you know, another reason why, why you shouldn't marry somebody who's unchristian, like you have kids who start growing up and, and mom's telling the, the, the kids like, you know, there's a God and here's a story and then dad comes from the other side. He's like, eh, big deal. Or like he's going to church and she's not going to church. You start running into problems. Um, do, you ha do you see things the same about kids, about education, about life passions and things? And, and generosity is also an important one. Steps to take. Steps to take, and I'm going to be finishing up, read some questions if there are any. Um, pray. Do you have peace about an individual? And I don't mean just like excitement, like, woo, you know, they looked at me and they talked at me. Uh, not that type of excitement. Like, do you have peace about an individual after you pray and you spend some time with God? Super important. Sit down by yourself, get a piece of paper, or just, just do a thought experiment. What will my life look with, like with this individual in 10 years? Like, you know, it's all great right now, but in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years down the road, do I want to spend my life with that person or not? If you can say yes, 20 years down the road, yes, maybe you're onto something. If, you know, it's, great all, it's all great right now, but 20 years down the road, not so much, eh, maybe, maybe give, it another, give it another look. I'm going to skip a little bit here, whatever I've written down. Um, this, this, is, this is an interesting, interesting thing. So back in the day, there was a gentleman here by the name of Serge. Um, he was a youth leader. And right before he got married and after he proposed, I decided to ask him, Serge, um, how'd you get married? How'd you propose? How, how'd it work for you? And these are the things that I got from myself. One, you have to be ready. You have to be ready for, to, be, for, to be married. Two, you, you see the girl and you say, this, is this a girl I want to marry? Three, you go ask her and you ask her like a man. Just, just go straight up and say, really simple. And then you figure, figure it out and you go from there. Um, I've no, this is just kind of something I wrote for guys. I've just noticed guys fall into two categories when it comes to girls. They're either shy or they're flirty. Be a perfect middle. Like some guys will walk around and beat around the bush. That's not the way to do it. If you're ready to get married and you're serious, be a man, be serious. Come up and say, hey, you know what? I want to talk to you. Let's see if we can make this thing work. Um, if you're flirty and you're talking to all the girls and uh, you're the ladies' man, you got to repent one. Two, you got to change because after you get married, if that's the way you were before married, you were married, there's a high chance you'll, you'll continue it after you get married. So don't do, don't do that. And the other thing I don't want to do is after I read the questions, I'll, I'll end it there, is pray, pray, pray to God that God prepares us 
to be marriage material, to be people who are going to be a blessing into others' lives. And to pray for God to send a blessing to our life as well. I'm going to look through if there's any questions here. There's a couple. I'll try to answer them. If I don't know the answer, I will tell you I don't know the answer or I don't, can't answer it. How long can two people date before having to get married? So if you, uh, having to get married, so you don't have to get married, but if you don't have to get married to that person, you probably shouldn't be dating them. And if you like them, then you would want to get married. I don't see any reason why you'd want to date and not marry them. Um, the most difficult parts of relationships and marriages? Usually there's three. They, they say um, money is a big one. Um, sex is a big one, and then relationships with within like in-laws and whatnot are, are big ones. How do you avoid them? Educate yourself and, and know what you're doing. If soulmates do not exist, do soul ties exist? Being attached to someone, yes, they do exist, but the 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 way I see it, when when you talk to anybody, when when you have fellowship with anybody, guy, girl. The way I imagine it is you have strings, and every time you talk to somebody, you kind of throw a string. You throw a string, and something a little bit ties you to that person at work, in school, at church, wherever. And the more of those you throw, and the, most, more, the more you have of those, the, the harder it is to cut those off at, at times. Um, if you're planning to marry that person, create more of those. If you're not planning to marry that person or, you know, you've broken it up, c cut them up as much as you can. And once you cut them up, cut them up some more. It'll be good for you. It'll be good for the per person you do end up marrying. Um, if there is something, anything, leave it behind. Start from a new, new, new sheet if you can. What happens if you date someone and the more you find out about them, the less you like them? but the other person starts to like you even more, the more they find out, oh man, that's rough. Um, that probably falls into the category of, um, are you willing to marry them because you feel sorry for them? Because they like you? It's rough, but... How important is a girl's past compared to her looks, character? I'll disregard the looks. I won't say anything about that. Um, I think we talked about. I think anybody who's had a past and a past that you might not be proud of, I think if a, if a guy is serious, that's something you, you can disclose and you can and should work through. Um, I'm not going to say everybody. I'm going to say a lot of people have had one issue or another where one thing or another there, there has, it hasn't been perfect in their life. Very true. And we're, we're sinners by nature. We're born sinners. And we're not perfect. And I think if it's something that you're willing to work on and if you're willing to work on your character... Um, you get to a point where you leave the past in the past. 
you can't carry it with you for your entire life. If you do, it'll, 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 it'll choke you. Don't carry the past with you. What you're going to have to do is with the person who you end up marrying or, you know, dating is you do want to be open and you do want to share those things. And you want to say, you know what, I want to be, op- I want to be honest, I want to be open, I want to tell you where I've been, who I've talked to, um, where I've sinned, where I haven't sinned. Can we pray about this? Can we be forgiven? And can we move on? And I think two people who are serious um, and fear the Lord, because they have been forgiven by Christ, they can forgive and they can move on. And that's much better to do than to keep it quiet and kind of hope you get around it. And, you know, you get married and 30 years later, surprise, surprise, I didn't tell you something. Don't do that. Don't carry that burden around with you. You know what? Leave it. There's a song. Leave it all behind. If you have to choose between following a career, getting married, starting a family, what should you do? Both if you can. So this is, this is, this is where the caveat is. If you're already in a relationship and it's getting pretty serious, you should probably make, find a way to make it work. Get married if you can. See if you could live with your parents for a little bit, pursue a career, whatnot. Stay away from sin. Stay away from trouble. If you're not already in a relationship, pursue the work, pursue the career. Don't get yourself in a relationship. Don't accidentally fall into one. Keep your heart. Say, this is not my time. I am not ready. Stay, keep yourself from falling in love. Say, this is what I need to finish first. This is my goal. Finish that goal. Then, then open your heart for, for marriage, whatnot. Somebody's asking me, symmetrical all-wheel drive or regular all-wheel drive? If AWD stands for all-wheel drive, I don't know. How do you create meditation or mediation as a new family when you were raised in different ways? Communication, you have to sit there and you have to talk about it. You know what, this is, this is just a recent example. This happened three, we've been married for almost five years and we just figured this out like three weeks ago. Like, wow. Um, so the way I ask for forgiveness is if I did something wrong, I'll come and I'll say, you know what, this is what I did, A, B, and C. Can you forgive me? I'm sorry, I, I apologize. I, I didn't do what I was supposed to. Or, and I want a yes or no answer. I, hope, I want a yes answer. Like, yes, you forgive me. Thank you. We can move on with life. We drop the subject there and then and we move on. That's just the way I am. With my wife, she likes explaining what she did, how she got there, why she did it, why she didn't do it, um, the circumstances... And she, she like explained it to me for like 20 minutes. And I was getting frustrated because I'm like, you're telling me all these things. I don't necessarily need to know them. Are you asking for forgiveness? Are you sorry or are you not sorry? Like, if you're sorry, I'll forgive you and we'll move on. If you're not sorry, like, should we talk about it until you become sorry? Like, what's going on here? 
and I was kind of getting frustrated, and maybe she was getting a little frustrated, but not as much. And we figured it out like we think a little bit differently. Like, n now that we figured it out in three weeks, or four weeks, or how long it's, how long it's been, she, if she d did something, or you know, she just says, I'm sorry. And I say, I forgive you. Matter closed, like super simple. She's like, wow, why didn't I know that before? Um, you're gonna have to talk about these things, and you might have to talk a lot about these things. This is where you kind of make a plan, and questions on your dating. Um, what are you used to? What am I used to? That was your family. That was your family. We're going to start a new family. What are the rules for our family? Your rules might be the, you know, the rules your parents had, but they may be completely new rules. You, you have to talk about them. You have to agree to them, and you live by them. How much money should I have in my account before I get married? The more the better? It's probably the right answer. I don't know that there's a, okay, so you, this is what you need. You need to have enough money so when you get married you don't go into debt, one. Um, if that means you need to have a smaller wedding, none of the fancy stuff, you'll have paper plates instead of the real ones. So be it. Um, so you need to have enough money to get married. I think it's like 20 bucks to go to the courthouse or something to get married. Um, Pastor Sayanka um, owns it for free, for sure. Um, if he doesn't, I'm pretty sure some of these other brothers, they'll do it for free. You don't really need that much. Do a super cheap wedding. And after that, you just need to have enough money to live. Like if you can make three, four grand a month between the both of you, Maybe two and a half if you're like on the super, super, super rice and beans side of things. Go for it. You don't necessarily need to have a lot of money. Just what happens when a, when a female I like has more money than Mia? Her dad's. That's okay. You just need to up your skills and, you know. Uh, so you don't want to be one of those guys that says, you know, my plan is to get married, she'll go to work, and I'll go to the welfare office and get food stamps. Like, if that's you, you might need to rethink some things in your life. Priorities. Hashtag, you still have time. It's not too late. And it's okay if the girl makes me a little bit more money. That shouldn't be a problem. This is the best part, guys. Girls, this is the best part. So when you all get married... You get make one bank account, it's not your money, it's not her money. All the money that comes in, it's your money. So the more money she makes, the more money you make. The more money you make, the more money she makes. It's a blessing. What should you do if your girl has expensive taste? Um... She has expensive taste. Take her out to McDonald's on your first date. If she still sticks around with you, she's a keeper. And if she doesn't, maybe that's not what you want for the rest of your life. And I think that's all the questions. I try to, I try to answer them the way I could. I hope, I hope you all got good answers. If not good answers, at least somewhat entertaining. Um, one more question. 
What if the girl doesn't realize that you are absolutely the one for her but still rejects you? Brother, you need to work on opening her eyes. You got to open her eyes. You got to pray for her. You got to fast for her. And if her eyes are still closed, it must be from the Lord. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just how it is. You got to work harder. All right. Давайте мы с вами станем, помолимся. Um, I hope you all, my, my, my goal for everybody here today was so you can leave and learn something, something interesting for yourself, pick up a bit of knowledge or wisdom here and there. Uh, maybe some of this stuff you already knew. But uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for inviting me. I hope you're all blessed. I hope you all become somebody's blessing and that somebody becomes your blessing. Let us pray. Gaspot. We come to you, God, with gratitude because you are a wonderful God. And you have made us wonderful, God. And for every, for every time, Gaspot, there is a time of life which we go through. There's a time to be single, God. There's a time to be looking. And there's a time to be married. And every season of life is wonderful in its own way, God. And we ask that every person here can become a blessing, God, right now where they are in their singleness, God. When they become engaged and start dating and when they get married so they can be a blessing to their spouses, God. We also ask that you bless their spouses, that they can be a blessing to them and that together they can bless each other, God. And that together they can serve you, God, and, and, and grow your kingdom. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.